0: Thank you so much for coming back on Spilling Chai. I'm so excited to have you. Um, How are you doing?
1: Good. Just off the holiday bliss, I guess. I'm like totally relaxed. I just got to say thank you so much for... For having me again. Um so nice of you. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's it's a really big honor. I'm so excited to talk to you about I can't find my copy even though I got a copy of it, it's been driving me crazy. Um the other How to Own Your Power at Work as a Woman of Color. So when I had you on a couple of seasons ago, um we talked about your first book. First of all, all my respect to you for writing another book. <laughs> 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 for being a second time author.
1: Um, But I just said, like, it took a long time too. like
0: <laughs> a I'm, lot of
1: um, a lot of nights and weekends and coffee shops. But I mean, it took two years. So oh my slowly God. With, anybody that wants to write a book that's listening to this, you can slowly but surely do it. It would just, just take a little bit longer.
0: <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, what was it about this book that you said? Because I, I like that headspace is really interesting. It's like, what is my next book going to be about It's kind of what everybody asks you after you've written your first book. Uh, what about this? Well, obviously this topic is, is your life. I I mean, I feel like it's my life. Um, but what made you say, yes, this is going to be my next book. I'm going to write about this.
1: So Nika and I wrote, uh, as you know, that the book in 2019 and it got such good reviews and it opened up this community of women, um, that I really resonate with, which was women that felt like the other growing up and at work, women, that were Latinas, Afro-Latin, latinas Muslim women, Asian women, white women in the middle of rural America that just didn't feel part of their community. Um, and so that, the community that opened up from the first book, because I, I shared my story of being undocumented, of being the Latina, um, many times the only Latina in, in the room, so many women kind of came out and reached out to me on social and wanted to um, kind of connect with more content and I didn't really have a chance to think about it right away because I did have a full-time job at the time. I I was a booking producer, um, one of those jobs where you're literally on your phone 24-7 booking for the next day show, um, a morning show that's like three hours now, four hours long. Um, So it wasn't until my agent, Joanna Castillo, who actually reached out to me, she found me And, um, we had a conversation, um, over lunch and, you know, she, she proposed to me, you know, have you thought about what, what your next book was, you want it, you want it to be? And I said, yeah, I actually have thought about it. Um, and I think she was kind of the push that I needed to kind of continue on this story of empowerment and growth and really finding yourself through your own eyes, um, and not through what other people have made you feel like was safe. There's many times readers of the book um, and people who have felt like the other have Mm -hmm. found a lot of safety and a lot of more specifically psychological safety by going under the radar, by accommodating, by appeasing and just kind of blending in and, and lose themselves and fragment themselves along the way. Um, I love how you're so honest
0: and real um in your book about your own privileges as a white Latina. Um it just really brings up just the complexities of race, people <laughs> <laughs> of race, of being women, uh, women of color. Talk to me about that because you specifically bring up your um sister who's Afro Afro-Latina.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I to be honest with you the the category women of color for latinas who are white in this country is a complicated subject to me because I'm from Chile and in Chile I'm not a I'm not a woman of color I'm just you know I'm just white and wow. so coming here to the US and um categorizing myself in this pool of, of women that are women of color was interesting to me but I also felt like I had a privilege that I I needed to speak out about because you know, my my sister, as you mentioned, is Afro-Latina. She's a, a Haitian grandfather. And, I, you know, I, I we had a candid conversations that perhaps we didn't have before while I was writing this book because I did want to have an accurate representation of our community, the broader community of, of women of color, not just as my sister, but other women who are part of my um, mentorship community that are of all races and of all um, uh, shades. And um, she was very candid about, you know, we, we had, we went back to times in high school and, and even the the times of her like going to a restaurant and being seated last and just like that underlying prejudice and bias that comes from having a different color. Yeah.
0: All the microaggressions. It's real. And so,
1: and so it was interesting. It was complicated for me to have this conversation just about women of color because For me, yes, I was sometimes the only Latina and the only woman in the room. But for me, what really made me feel like the other was being undocumented. That for me was really heavy. That for me was a very visceral um, experience that hindered me not only in, you know, psychological ways, but very tangible and structural and institutional ways that created a lot of barriers. So in that way, I connect with with women um, in that sense of feeling like they didn't belong. yeah. And so this book is inclusive of all those different experiences of, of being like the other. And, um, you know, I thought it was important. And, and I think it's important for, for women who are white, um, whether you're white, Latina, to understand that I, I didn't have the full spectrum of the experience. If I can mm. also incorporate voices of other women along the way for the book.
0: Yeah, that is so important. And I love that you do that because I feel like by talking about your own complexity, you kind of, um, show people how racism isn't always about color. It's about, it's about the experience. I mean, uh, people always say to me that I hate this so much when they find out I'm Bangladesh, especially when I'm traveling in, um, in Europe, in Italy, though, because there's so many Bangladeshi immigrants there uh, and they'll be like, but you're not black. You're not dark like them. And I'm like what the f is that supposed to mean? Maybe it's cuz I live in a country where there's like no sun. I see no sun. <laughs> yeah. But uh but it's it's um and you're in them sometimes where people I'm sure this happens to you has happened to you where people say stuff about your own people but they think that, you know, you're not one of them. Um so I like that you really you really bring that up because uh, like you say, our, the way that we other ourselves, the reason we do that is because of an experience that we had prior, right? Like somebody had put us down, like it doesn't just come, uh, from nowhere. And you talk about this happening in your, um, in your childhood, and just looking at, you now. I have to really quickly say that in our last interview, I remember something which just stayed in my heart about how you said your, your dreams are made out of your mother's tears like literally and I just wonder what does she think about this like you now your second book by the way guys she is a booking producer for Morning Joe so her other job isn't just a light internship on the side
1: what does your mom think about this book has she read it she has read it um and it's it's interesting because um you know uh I, many times I talk about her during interviews and I forget that I'm, I'm throwing a lot about our personal lives out there. I know. (laughs) And she's just kind of gotten used to it. Um, and, um, but she's, she's really proud. And, you know, I think when you're a mother of five and you are an immigrant and you start from zero and you yourself have felt othered, you yourself have felt prejudiced. And have kind of had to put your head down and swallow your pride so that your kids can have opportunities and you're working two and three jobs while you're, you know, you are, you're having health problems. There is a sense of total and complete selflessness and sacrifice that goes into that immigrant experience, many of which uh, of us know that is, is a very, um, kind of communal experience. It's not just yes. our, 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 our parents or our grandparents, but it also impacts us. So in that way, I think we're very connected in that thread of of sacrifice. And I think for her, it's you know, you know, yeah, she was she's teared up a lot of times um, with a lot of overwhelming emotion about um, not just the success of, of of you know being in a corporate job and um, you know being a booking producer now a reporter. Um, it's it's more about the impact and the influence and the telling of our stories, because yes. a lot of times um, she felt like her story wasn't good enough to tell or, or that it simply meant that she just had to go under the radar for the rest of her life. And that yeah. you know, that the stories of our community and the stories of, stories of our sacrifice really didn't matter. And so I think for her, it, every time she because she rereads the book, it, it means something different every time um so we're still in shock i mean i I think for all of us i don't the the impact and the and the feedback and and the platforms that continue opening up it's always a it's always a surprise because we Mm -hmm. you know we started out from nothing and so it's um it's a really it's been a really awesome experience
0: i love that and
1: i feel like you give so much
0: voice to so many women and then in many ways you're also giving voice uh to your mom but i totally know how you feel because i mean i feel like our moms are similar in in our cultures where you like, you just don't talk about certain stuff and here we are writing about it we're talking about it most of the time i don't even you know i've gotten better about giving my mom a heads up but really i just i just uh spill spill the tea but i th- I, I think that's so incredible i also feel like in this book you've kind of come more into your own, I don't know if it's because this you have authored this. This is your book. It's not a co-authoring. How was the experience? Was it different? Writing a book without a co-author?
1: Um, I don't think I knew I was what I was getting myself into because <laughs> of the subject of the book. Um, I think that as a writer, um what I've learned is that if you're not uncomfortable with writing and 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 the the story that you allow yourself to tell, then, it, Then you're leaving out impact. I think that when you get to that point where you're writing and you're like, Oh, wait, I'm kind of uncomfortable telling the story because it's like so raw and so honest. Um, that's when you know that it's going to have an impact, that it's, it's meant to be placed in the words of the page. And there was many times where there were anecdotes that I, that I went back and forth on whether I should include because, you know, at the end of the day, it kind of leaves you know evidence of mm-hmm. the ugliness of of, yeah. of of parts of this country and 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 what bias and prejudice can can look like um, and I think it bubbled up a lot of feelings with myself that I don't think I had had fully psychologically kind of dealt with Process. Mm-hmm. um so that's that's when i when I had the final product, I knew that I was happy with it because I put things on the page that I wasn't totally comfortable telling mm-hmm. or I wasn't fully ready to tell. And um those were the parts of the book, um, not surprisingly now that people read the book and and so relate to it and have such a visceral um an emotional reaction yeah to the book. Um, which has just been so incredible to to see and to um to share because it's it's a shared experience at the end yes. of the day. Yes.
0: Well, you talk about, um, that imposter syndrome is different for women of color i i do want to quickly say that i i share your feelings about women of color in america it's so like lumped up i i fight for my right to be called asian i'm like hello i am (laughs) everything so the categories are so different uh in america but that being said you do say that imposter syndrome is different for women of color uh talk to me about about that because it is different um but what do you mean when you say that
1: yeah, so I really wanted to delve into this idea of imposter syndrome because in some ways, I, I I didn't have imposter syndrome when I when I came up, right? Like mm-hmm. I I wouldn't have gone to college undocumented and 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 worked my way through and and got on a bus to New York because I lied and I said that you know I lived in New York because I wanted an unpaid internship because in some way I I felt entitled to have those opportunities and yeah. I wasn't gonna let other people closed doors because of their bias and prejudice. So for me, imposter syndrome didn't come up until later in my career where parts of my past still stayed with me. Um, But it wasn't as overt as um, some of the experiences that I've heard from um, women in the book that were black and brown. Mm -hmm. Um, I had the pleasure of connecting with Uchika Toshin uh who is Yes, I know uh, her. She's awesome. She's an incredible expert on inclusion and diversity and she yes. wrote this amazing piece um with um with a co-author um for the Harvard Business Review on mm-hmm. yes. why you shouldn't tell black and brown women that they had imposter syndrome. Yes. Oh, she goes, yeah. yeah. She I mean and it's so true because when you think about the microaggressions and the ways of dimming people and making people feel smaller. Mm-hmm. Um at work, you know, those are just different experiences. And so it's not fair for a white woman to say that she has the same sense of imposter syndrome of a black and brown woman who has overt microaggressions, who... Might have those experiences of, of, of people at work saying you know can I t- can I touch your hair or yeah. you know um' <sighs> getting mistaken by you know the cleaning lady you know like all of these different things like yeah those are different experiences um and I think it's important to say that because in some ways we've been conditioned to believe what has been Assumed of us. So, like, if somebody yeah. talks about imposter syndrome as a whole, like if you're a black and brown woman and and you are you hear this idea of imposter syndrome being talked about around white women, mm-hmm. you immediately feel like you, oh well, I, I must be going through the same thing. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. because you have an added hardship. Yes, um, you have an added layer. Yes, and you have an added layer. This intersectionalism of of mm-hmm. racism. That is important to understand because if we don't understand it, we continue playing small and we continue dimming our light and we, and we continue losing opportunities to advocate for ourselves because we just want to appease and accommodate. And so it's important to, to to talk about that and talk about that difference. Well, it's
0: such an empowering book. I love that it's not, and I felt like this about my book as well, that it's not wallowing in self-pity. It really isn't. You know, you talk about uh, our duality being our superpower. Um, Like this is the kind of book I wish my kids could read now. (laughs) (laughs) They're five and 11. They're like, let me tell you about getting ready about the the workplace. But talk to me about that. And I really love that about your book. Where did you... Because it is such a superpower, you have to lean into lean into your superpower, not lean into the way Sheryl Sandbrook's talking about, you know, white lady corporate feminism. So talk about talk about that. I, I love that you say that the duality of our superpowers. Talk to me more about that.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that, first of all. Um, it was. I, I will say before I get into that, it was hard for me to um, find a balance between. Talking about the structural and institutional problems, and the bias, and the prejudice, and the racism that exists, yeah. and not fall into the victimhood um, mindset. Because yeah. I think about my own experience. Um, if I believed all of the disparaging things that that were said about immigrants and in the community that I came from, and especially undocumented immigrants, um, when I was in the shadows, then I would have just said, okay, well, I'm a victim of the system and I should stay home and I shouldn't go to college and I shouldn't apply for internships because they're just not available to me Mm -hmm. because the system says otherwise, right? And so I wanted to get rid of that sense of victimhood and instead kind of contextualize what's happening in the background, right? Contextualize the 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 things like bias and prejudice and racism of the experiences that that we might face, but at the same time understand that that in that experience of mm-hmm. being the other and in that experience of feeling like you're in the cross current of different identities and feeling like you have to appease and mold and chameleon, mm-hmm. that inherently there's a duality, there's a sense of seeing the world in a different and more rich and more complex and more empathetic and Mm. more colorful way.
0: Yes. And
1: that is something that our white counterparts don't have. Yeah. And it's something that we really need to understand that is of value to Mm -hmm. us, right? So I, I, I say this all the time that... You know, America is only becoming more and more diverse. Gen Z is the most diverse generation out there Mm -hmm. um, since forever. And so if you work for corporate America, if you work for a startup, if you work for an organization in the U.S. whose client base is American. Yeah. They need your voices at the table. Yeah, they really do. America's (laughs) America's
0: only <laughs> it's so, becoming just browner, guys. <laughs> and guess what? It's, it's
1: good for the bottom line. It really is. Tucker Carlson's worst nightmare. <laughs> and and the more that we understand that, um, the better we're able to express and advocate for our ideas because we yes. know yes. that they're important. And yeah. the and bottom line, guys. Yeah, like if it, it's it, forget like if you want to have that. A conversation of like, it's not personal, it's business. And you have that mindset. Then even this sort of conversation falls into place here and makes total sense
0: exactly it's not personal it's business um Daniela thank you so much you guys her new book is out I am so bummed that I cannot find my copy the other how to own your power at work as a woman of color thank you for talking to us filling the tea with us on how
1: to own our superpower
0: um thank as so women much. of
1: color <laughs> I appreciate it and you're and you're so nice for having me on a second time so I really appreciate Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I will speak to you soon, Daniela. Thank you. Thank you.